You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. This is your Packers Update, the Daily Cheese, brought to you by Packernet.com. The Daily Cheese is a collaboration with the Packernet Podcast, hosted by Brian Schlipp, the Pack Daddy, and I am your host, J.J. Leahy. David Bakhtiari is confirmed, in fact, to have torn his ACL. He will be moved to IR. No surprise there, but we were holding out some last hopes that maybe there'd be some good news. Aaron Rodgers says he is grieving the loss of Dave, but says the team has got to move on. The show must continue in the playoffs. A.J. Dillon was named the NFL Rookie of the Week after his breakout performance against the Tennessee Titans. His 124 rushing yards are the seventh most by a rookie this season, and in fact, only Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and Antonio Gibson have rushed for at least 100 yards and scored two rushing touchdowns in a single game this year. 2020 has been the highest scoring season in NFL history. So far, a total of 11,854 points have been scored across the league just shy of the 11,985-point previous all-time record back in 2013. And Green Bay is right at the head of the pack. The Packers need to score only six points this Sunday in order to finish with an average of 30 points a game, putting them firmly in the driver's seat here. To hit that same milestone of an average of 30 points a game, the Chiefs need to score 28 points Sunday, the Titans need to score 30, the Saints 31, Buccaneers 32, the Buffalo Bills need to score 35 points, the Seahawks need to score 47 points, and the Baltimore Ravens high-flying offense needs to score a whopping 50 points this Sunday in order to hit an average 30 points a game for 2020. Here now to talk Packers-Bears is McFarland High School outside linebackers and offensive line coach Brian Hahn. Coach, how are you doing today? Fantastic, JJ. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, sir. Uh, you and I had a lot of fun as we have the past few weeks breaking down some film this week. Talk to me about what you're seeing from Green Bay's defensive line right now and their defense as a whole. Yeah, uh, this defense is coming on strong as of late. The defensive line is allowed to play a little bit more unprotected, we call it where they can play a little bit down in the box, be a little bit outmanned in the box against the running game. And that's simply because your two inside linebackers right now are playing at an unbelievable level. They're really starting to slow down and read and get the whole idea of the play that's coming at them. And that allows that defensive line to just turn loose. Uh, They can get a lot more movement. They can get a lot more stunt game. And at times they can go ahead and eat those double teams as well and allow those two inside linebackers to just flow and be down in the box man-wise and still be productive. That also really helps out your secondary where you see guys like Darnell Savage as a safety can now all of a sudden start to play some ball hawk type of stuff because you have that additional man in the secondary. These these two inside linebackers are playing incredibly well, and that really frees up things in front of them for the D-line, and it starts to free up things behind them in the secondary. 
Wow, Packers inside linebackers playing well. That's not a sentence <laughs> I was expecting to hear. <laughs> hey, talk to me about the outside linebackers here. Let's start with uh, Rashawn Gary. What are we seeing here? We're seeing a lot of really, really good reps with his hands. His ability to shock and shed at the point of attack, especially in the run game, when he gets a blocker, when he gets an offensive tackle on him traditionally, that is a great view for an offense. If you can get a tackle onto an outside backer, it's usually a win for that offensive tackle. But Rashawn Gary has been so good lately with his hands. It's obviously something that they're repping where he can shock, he can shed, he can keep his outside arm free and still dive in to make the play. It's really impressive to see. We saw a lot of that against Tennessee where he was able to maybe not always get the play on Derrick Henry, but really solidify the edge and push him back into some of those unblocked inside linebackers. Coach, this is going to be one of the biggest Bears-Packers games, at least implication-wise, and when you just take into consideration how white-hot both of these teams are playing offensively, defensively. Talk to me here about the Bears' offensive line, because as we know, everything starts in the trenches. Yeah, they've made some adjustments, made some uh, movements on their offensive line. Their center, this white-haired dude, he is a monster. He is a beast. He runs well laterally, which really marries into some of the wide zone that they've started using, especially from snaps under center. Um, Their two guards, they're getting some great interior movement. I was watching the Jacksonville game um, a little earlier in this week and doing a, a film breakdown on that, and they are just violent to the second level. So it's a great time for Green Bay to start using their defensive line in a more unprotected look. Um, but it is it is going to be a tough ask for Green Bay to stop some of this Bears run game. All right, the Chicago Bears offense looks completely different right now. Um, now that uh, Bill Lazor, offensive coordinator, has been made the play caller, they have totally overhauled their philosophy on offense. Can you break down for me exactly what's going on? Yeah, for sure. You're starting to see a whole lot more under center look from Chicago's where the quarterback Trubisky is actually taking the snap from under center. We see it about 70% of the time now on early downs, first and second downs, which is unheard of in the NFL. There's a whole lot of shotgun looks. But going under center really gives the Bears the, the ability to get downhill with their wide zone scheme. When they have the ability to get Montgomery with a, with a running start, and now that they have white hair and these two guards playing up to that second level so well, they can really start to chew you apart and put you in some major conflict, especially when they start looking at their play-action game. You start to get some really long, naked boot-action plays from Trubisky and it's really simplified his reads he doesn't have to go one two three in his progressions anymore he can simply identify whichever player they're trying to put in conflict with play action be it a Mike backer or a Sam backer or something like that and now his reads are simply one read is it open no take the ball and run go make something happen and it's um it's working incredibly well for them as of late We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the big question has been, what's the difference here? Is it David Montgomery? Is it Allen Robinson? The answer is a little bit of both, right? 
Oh, I, I, yeah, I truly believe it's it's the entire offensive scheme that's really allowed some of these special playmakers to get the ball in a more advantageous position for them. Allen Robinson can now all of a sudden be schemed open just because of conflict that you can put that inside linebacker in when you run some play action. Um, if that inside linebacker is going to be a little bit slow and thinking about play action, then all of a sudden David Montgomery in this wide zone scheme with this revamped offensive line looks really good. So I think it's no surprise that we're starting to see an uptick in all of the um, statistical endeavors for some of these special athletes because that's the whole philosophy of an offense. Figure out a way to get the ball in your special players' hands as often as possible, and Chicago is doing a great job of that right now. All right, we have one last juicy question for you, but before I get to that, can you give me a uh, prediction of how you think Sunday is going to go? I do. I do think this is going to be a very fun shootout type of game. I still think Green Bay takes it. I still think I believe in their offense a little bit more because they're so multiple. But I don't think it's going to be the blowout that we saw earlier this year. I'm going to go really high scoring. I'm saying 37-31 Green Bay. Okay. You and I have been very frustrated with the Packers special teams unit. And we spent a lot of time watching tape. Tell me, what did we find there? I see some giant schematic holes. We've been saying it all year long. Um, Giant flaws in the coverage game on both kickoff and punt. We're starting to see some players, and and you know me. I'm not a personnel guy. I don't like talking personnel, but there are some players on, on those teams that are very tremendous liabilities for Green Bay. (laughs) <laughs> Oren Burks. <laughs> you, I know you don't like Oren Burks, and guess what? Neither do I. But yeah, we're starting to see some really, really big liabilities that continue to play there. And then we're also starting to see some schematic flaws as well. We saw in the blocked kick against uh, Tennessee where it didn't count because a, a player was offsides. But we saw the right side of the offensive line in their kick coverage fan out and allow some slants across their face where you had an unblocked defensive lineman who was able to slant across the face of Jenkins because he was fanning out. So there are uh, tremendous liabilities scheme-wise. There's tremendous liabilities player-wise. And I do think if we see number 95, um, I believe it's Tyler Lancaster, if we see that kid as the field wing on field goal or extra point, there's a good chance Chicago blocks one this week as well. Yeah, uh, so this is an interesting point here. What is the difference between when Tyler Lancaster is on the field there? How How is he playing differently than Lucas Patrick, who usually takes that spot when Rick Wagner is able to play? Yeah, when it's Lucas Patrick out at that field wing or the wide side of the field wing when they're kicking field goal or extra point, when it's him, he has the ability to chip off of the edge and still keep his inside leg in what we call a long technique where his inside leg is actually trapping and closing the inside gap while he can go chip the outside gap for the edge rusher. We've also seen in film Tyler Lancaster try this technique a couple of times, but he just doesn't have the range that Lucas Patrick does, and it makes sense. He's a defensive lineman versus an offensive lineman, so his hips maybe aren't as flexible. He doesn't have that range of ability, so as he goes to try to chip that edge rusher, he does open up that door on the inside gap. And in the kicking game, it is absolutely imperative that you take care of all inside gaps first because that is the shortest path to the kick. Yeah, so the simplest answer here is that if you have to put Tyler Lancaster on the field, simplify his job, make him stay inside, not go on the edge and, and try and stop the guys who are running uh, off that uh, that far side because they're not going to get to the ball anyways. 
Totally agreed. If you have to protect something, protect the inside first, let the outside come. If they get to the ball in time, that's your long snapper or your holder's fault. All right, Coach, thank you so much for your time. This has been a blast. And, uh, wow, here we go, playoffs. Yeah, I'm excited for it, JJ. Thanks for having me. Green Bay continues to work out some free agents, this time cornerback Demarcus Acey of Missouri and tight end Nate Weeding of Iowa. Green Bay has brought in a considerable number of guys who went undrafted in the last year or two, seemingly searching for a diamond in the rough. And it seems consistently to be one of a few different positions. Cornerback, safety, tight end, and also a couple of linebackers and wide receivers. This time last year, Gudekunst signed wide receiver Reggie Begleton and a fullback, Elijah Wellman. This was on January 6th of 2020. The two players were signed to Futures Contracts. I would not be surprised if you see a very similar thing happen this time. And my question is, what can we learn from these workouts about the offseason needs of the Packers? Neither fullback nor wide receiver were positions that were targeted in the draft. Although wide receiver Devin Funchess was signed in free agency. All right, that'll do it for today. For more in-depth analysis and a look at Packers strategy, make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet Podcast, hosted by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to Packernet.com and follow the Packernet Podcast on Facebook. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been The Daily Cheese, your Green Bay Packers news update.